We are in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, and the book of Revelation is easy to find. It's between Jude and your eternal future, the last book in your New Testament, and we're going to be looking at the 17th chapter, and um, I'll make a comment about the 18th chapter. I just simply want to say right from the start is the 17th chapter is the religious Babylon, uh, the corrupt satanic Babylon. And the 18th chapter is the commercial Babylon. And we're going to be looking at the corrupt, evil, religious Babylon today. And I don't know how much of chapter 17 I will get through. I'll give you an outline, and I don't mean that I'll get through it today. But we're in the 17th chapter. Let's all stand for the reading of the first five verses of chapter 17. Before I start reading, I want to mention the outline that I have. Verse 1 through 5 is the great harlot that sits upon many waters. Verse 6 through 15 is the mystery of the woman. And verse 16 through 18 is these politicians will abandon religion. That's just like politicians. They will abandon you for their own gain. So let's look at verse 1 to 5. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore or harlot that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of earth have been made drunk with, or been made drunk with the wine, that is the mind-altering intoxication of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, um, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the abominations of the earth. I want to use for a subject this morning a little different take on this. I want to talk about the dark side of revival. Let me be seated. The dark side of revival. I could also call it the dark side of religion. One thing that I have shared through the study of Revelation is that I believe that after the church is caught up to meet Jesus in the air, there will be an incredible revival take place. There will be people born of the Spirit of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb. There will be literally, I think, millions of people saved even after the rapture of the church. People that will give their lives to Christ, and many of them will literally give their physical lives for Christ. People will be changed by the power of God and be, be uh, saved by the blood of the Lamb. So there will be a massive revival all through the book of Revelation, and God is working constantly through this book of Revelation, giving everybody a chance to get on board and everybody a chance to denounce the enemy and to follow Jesus Christ. Everybody in this room, you have a chance. And many of you in this room, you took your chance, you came to Jesus Christ, and now it's no longer a chance, it's sure and steadfast, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But everybody in this room, you have a chance if you're not saved, you can come to Christ. God can tug on your heart and God can change your life. I believe that after the rapture, the catching away of the church, there will be a massive revival. But I believe there will also be a dark side to revival or a dark side to religion. Because during the great tribulation, people will become most religious more religious than they are today. In this time of great tribulation, there will be signs and wonders, miracles everywhere. There'll be both the good, the bad, and the ugly in the great tribulation. And many people will follow the ugly and the bad. 
because they will allow religion to pollute their minds. Religion will cost them their soul. And we need to understand right from the get-go is that while Jesus Christ is harvesting a redeemed group of people in the great tribulation, while there's a great harvest, there's also a great harvest of evil taking place during the great tribulation. There will be a massive gathering together of false religions, and it will be so hideous and so vile that religion will take its place as it has in the past, very wicked and very evil. There's one thing about religion without Christ. Religion without Christ can be really stupid. Religion without Christ can be really cold and ugly and mean and cruel. And it's not just a certain denomination that killed others in the name of their religion. It's a lot of people. A lot of religions have killed others in the name of their religion. That's why it says that the harlot has many blasphemy names. Meaning this is not just a Catholic, a Baptist, a Methodist, Presbyterian, Buddha, or Hinduism, or whatever. This is religion at its highest peak of evil. Each name, blasphemy, coming against the message of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the dark side of revival, just like Jesus Christ is bringing in the harvest. The wicked, the devil, the dragon, the beast, the false prophet will also try to bring in their army and their victims of their lies and wickedness. I think we're starting to see strong delusion that people are even now beginning to believe a lie. I believe the world is just ready for the supernatural, and that supernatural isn't always good. I'm glad for the Christian the supernatural is good. But supernatural can be also satanic, demon supernatural. I believe that we're just right. I believe America, I believe the world is just at the place that we can expect and that we can be changed by supernatural act. I believe the world is going to step into supernatural and there'll be a time of supernatural things begin to happen. During the Great Tribulation, it will be more supernatural during the Great Tribulation than it was in the day of Moses with Egypt and with Pharaoh and with the parting of the Red Sea. In fact, there'll be more supernatural things happen in the Great Tribulation than there was in the wilderness as Moses led the children of Israel across the wilderness into the land of Canaan. There'll be more supernatural things happen, and it won't all be good. Some will be evil. That will happen during the Great Tribulation, even more so than you find recorded in your Old Testament. There'll also be more manifestations of deception by the Antichrist and by the false prophet that will try to mimic the true and living Jesus Christ. The Great Tribulation will be a time of great deception and great heartbreak. And the world has just been prepared all these centuries, all, these time, all this time the world has been prepared for the, you know, the sundown, prepared for the meeting at the OK Corral. Only it's not going to be okay for the evil. It's going to be bad. It's going to turn out really bad. So I want to talk about the dark side of revival or the dark side of religion. Because just as there'll be an escalation of supernatural good, there's going to be an es escalation of a supernatural evil during the Great Tribulation. You follow me so far? And the only way to understand the 17th chapter of Revelation is to understand where it began in the Bible. And so I want to point out some things before we take you. You ready to go through your Bible a little bit and go some different places? Okay. Uh, if you're not ready, get on board. Don't fall off the boat. We're going to get there. But I want to begin by simply saying the great harlot, and I'm going to call her a harlot instead of the whore, 
I'm going to call her the harlot because it's interpreted that she is the harlot. She's the, she's the verse 5, on her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And so we're going to look at this woman, this, this evil pagan woman as a harlot. The seventh chapter, verse 1 says, And one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, he talked with me, meaning he talked to John, said, Come hither, and I'll show you the judgment of the great whore, or the great harlot, that sitteth upon many waters. In verse 15, she's called that harlot. And uh, we need to understand, verse 5 rather, she's called that harlot, that mystery Babylon. And so the name of this harlot is Babylon. That's her name. And so we need to look at this. The Bible says that she's riding on a beast, and that is the revived empire that Daniel spoke of in chapter 7, 9, and 13. It is a, a, a conglomeration of past uh, kingdoms and empires. We'll get into that later. But here the harlot is riding upon um, this beast. And the Bible says she rides upon uh, many waters, many waters. Now, someone says, well, what is the many waters? Well, verse 15 interprets it. It tells us what the many waters are. And, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the harlot, where the, where the whore, the harlot sitteth, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So we know that the waters is people, nations, languages, different tongues, different people, and I might add different ages of past and present and what is to come. False teaching, false prophets, paganism, heathenism, people that won't serve the true and living God. And so God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and then Egypt had massive amount of pagan gods. And when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, he, he, he instructed them to have a temple which pointed to the true and living God. Actually, it was a tabernacle. And God would come to the tabernacle and there would be sacrifices and they would, the children of Israel would see the price for sin. The soul that sinneth shall die. And they'd look at the animal dying and they know that Sin kills and sin causes us to die. And it was the introduction of false gods by the um, uh, Mennonites. And, and, of course, Balaam was involved in that, trying to get people to uh, marry or to get involved with the pagan beautiful daughters of the uh, Moabites. And, uh, and there the Moabites are... You know, they're mangling together. I hope I didn't say Mennonites, but anyway, Moabites. If I did, I apologize. But anyway, well, I'm sure we got a great big crowd of Mennonites watching us today. I doubt that seriously. But uh, the Moabites, they, uh, they um, listen to the false teaching, and they begin to involve themselves in false gods. The false gods went with the children of Israel even though they left Egypt, they took Egypt with them. They left Egypt, but they took Egypt with them. And God has taken his presence and his glory to get Egypt out of them. When someone gets born again, he gets, you know, God gets you out of the worldly Egypt, but he, then he has to get a hold of you and give you CPR and work you over real good to get Egypt out of you. And so... The children of Israel, they got introduced to false gods. Where did these false gods come from? Where was the beginning of this harlot, this mother of harlots? Where was the start? Well, the start was just after the flood of Noah. The beginning of this harlot was at the start just after Noah left the ark, Shem, Ham, Japheth, left the ark with their wives, and uh, we know that Ham had a boy by the name of, of um, um, 
Well, he, he, was the, he was the founder of the Tower of Babel. Nimrod, what a name like that. No wonder he turned out to be a spoiled brat named Nimrod. Who named a kid Nimrod? But anyway, they named it, well, they did again who named the kid Ham. But anyway, <laughs> I stand corrected. But you see the beginning of this, and it, it's found in the 10th chapter of Genesis, when Noah come off the ark after the flood. And by the way, did you know that after the ark, when Noah came out of the ark after the flood, God instituted the eating of meat. That's when the eating of meat began. It's also when God ordered capital punishment to put to death those who murder and kill others. So here we have, after the flood, they're all speaking one language. And so they decide they're going to build a tower of Babel. Now, Babel is also short for Babylon. And Babylon is in the plain of Shinar. It is in the Babylonian province. And so they, well, look at verse um, 8, 9, and 10 of Genesis uh, 10. And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter. I don't mean he was a deer hunter or, or animal hunter. He was a hunter of men. He, he became a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is in contrast or wickedness against the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And erect, and he gives a list of them, and Chanae, and the land of Shinar. And so when they get into the land of Shinar, you look at chapter 11 of Genesis, and we find what they did, or Nimrod done, in the land of Shinar. Verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east and they found the plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they that uh, had the brick for stone and slime that had they for mortar. And they said, go to and let us build us a city, a tower whose top may reach into, under heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered uh, abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Historians say, that Nimrod was angry at God because he destroyed the earth with water. And so in verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold the people. Um, well, no, look at verse, uh, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Notice it says city and tower, not just tower, which the children of men built. And the city is Babylon or uh, Babel, the, towers, the tower of Babel which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their languages that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence under the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. You find in verse 25 of chapter 10 that the earth was divided in the time of Peleg, or Peleg, verse 25. I believe this is when the land masses were divided. God divided the land masses, changed their language, so you have different people in different areas, and now they have different language and different culture and different atmosphere and different weather, and everything's different. That explains all the pulling apart of the continents, the time of Peleg. Some call it Peleg, but Peleg sounds really disgusting. But anyway, but anyway um, in this time of Nimrod, the Tower of Babel was some 750 feet high. That's pretty high, 750 feet high. Historians say, archaeologists say, that it was built in type 
like a pyramid. And it reached 750 feet high. Now, that's pretty high if you consider the Washington Monument 500 feet high, a little over 500. That's pretty tall. And so they built it up with a strong base because if they just built it from a little base in that technology, it wouldn't have stood that high. So it was pyramid-like. And when you reach the top of the pyramid-like or the Tower of Babel, there at the top of that Tower of Babel, they studied the stars. They studied zodiac. They studied the constellations. They studied the universe. They studied the stars. And they worshiped the sun god, the moon god, different gods, the god Mercurius, different god Saturn. And so the spinoff began there. Nimrod, and, and you know, I don't think they would have ever built a brick tower to heaven where God was, but it, it's just a principle of the thing. You know, they, nothing would stop them. You say, well, there might be more into this studying the stars and the constellations and all that than people realize. I mean, come on. We live in a day that it could get really serious. I was watching uh, on uh, the Internet where they've got these robots now that want to talk to you. And they want to carry on a conversation. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to talk to a robot. I talk to them as pastor every day of my life sometimes. But I said, I'll go to the page and see what's going on. And so I went to the page and I, this, this computer is trying to say, talk with me. We want to be friends. And I'm thinking, I want to be a friend with some bunch of tubes and transistors and stuff. And, and, and so she's, she's trying to get you to talk to her, trying to lure people in, getting information. I thought, I'm going to follow this. And so I stroll down and I come to a guy that looks like he's a robot, but he's not. Mark Zickelberg. He looks like he might be from another planet. I don't know that. I, I, I shouldn't talk bad about him. I mean, he was born looking like that. But anyway, but I noticed that they spun off from that and they're looking through a Hubble telescope and different zooming out into the space. And so this Zickelberg and some other guy, they're sitting there and they're talking about the study of the constellations. And I'm thinking, well, there might be more to the Tower of Babel with the constellation than we really think. I think we're setting just right for a supernatural act of God in a supernatural, something supernatural could happen to interrupt our ordinary lives just any moment. The days of dead church, the days of just getting by is going to stop. We're going to really be stirred. Now, Nimrod married a woman by the name of Samaramas. What a name, Samaramas. Samaramas, after Nimrod dies, this is just a historical fact, after Nimrod dies, um, Samaramas says she conceives a child supernaturally. This is a historical fact. She received a child supernaturally. And receiving this child supernaturally, this child has powers. The only problem is this child got mauled over by a wild boar and killed. So she tells everyone her son, um, uh, Tammuz, that's his name, Tammuz, her son Tammuz went to heaven. And he's there because he's the son of the gods. He's the son of the gods. And so the woman, Samaramas, Nimrod's wife, says, if you'll come to me, I'll talk to my son for you because my son is the son of the gods and he raised from the dead. And stemming out of that came all the cults and all the false religions. Stemming out of that came every false doctrine, every occult, every false religion has come and spun out of that. That's why this woman is sitting on many waters. That's why this woman 
false religion is all over the planet. Today, while I'm talking to you, there's false religions all over the planet. And many of those false religions have grown like, like a, uh, a fire in prairie grass, wind blowing against it. Many of these false cults and occults and false religions are growing rapidly because there is this dark side of revival. And the world is covered with different religions and different false cults, and it all came out of Genesis, the seed plot of the Bible. From Genesis after the flood, the Tower of Babel, which is Babylon, the city would be Babylon, and there on the plain of Shinar, they built this tower. This woman, Nimrod's wife, Samaris, she, everybody looked at her as the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven. How many of you would agree that when you read the, the, um, the um, minor prophets, even the major prophets, but when you read the minor prophets, uh, there's a lot talked about incense to false gods and making cakes to false gods and you know, making fig cakes to false gods, and especially in Zechariah and some of the other books. And, and how many know that really disturbs God because he's a jealous God and he'll have no other gods before him? God is the one true, only God, period, and Jesus Christ is the Son of God, period, and Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except by the God-man, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, but through Jesus Christ. But the world has been inundated and flooded on the waters, false doctrines. That's why we need to be real busy getting people saved because the world is flooded with false doctrines. Let me point out something real quickly. Um, how many believe old um, Ezekiel was a pretty cool prophet? How many would agree that Ezekiel was a pretty cool prophet? Did you know Ezekiel mentioned in his writing, he mentioned this Tammuz? He mentioned Tammuz, the son, the son of the gods. Verse 14, chapter 8, Ezekiel. Then he brought me to the door of the gate. Now, if you read verse 13, there's all kinds of abominations. He brought me to the door of the gate to the Lord's house, and which was toward the north. And behold, there sat a woman weeping for Tammuz. There it is. Well, let's connect this a little. Get, how many would agree Jeremiah was a good prophet? How many would agree Jeremiah was pretty cool? Well, did you know Jeremiah mentioned that uh, this woman, uh, the wife of Nimrod, was actually the queen of heaven, but not in a good sense. Look at Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of your own mouth, to burn incense, and of course the verse 16 hooks it together, false religions, and come out of your own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the city of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for when had we plenty of vessels and were well, we saw no evil. But since we left off the burning incense to the queen of heaven... And to have wanted uh, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Look at verse 20. 25 of chapter 44. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and filled your hand, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. He's all talking about false doctrine, false religions. So Samarias was the, as they declared her, the queen of heaven. Timaeus, or 
to Tamus, what a name, Tamus, was supposed to be the son of the gods. Now, out of this comes the god of Epiditus, goddess Diana, all the Roman gods, all the Greek gods, every false god and every false doctrine in the world comes from the Tower of Babel. Let me share something about Tammuz. Tammuz, how many remember a guy by the name of Sodom Hussein? Sodom Hussein. Remember him? Some of you don't remember him because you're too young, but Sodom Hussein. In 1981, Sodom Hussein lived in Iraq. Iraq is where Babylon is, the old ancient Babylon. And Saddam Hussein decided that he was going to rebuild Babylon, the great. In fact, I think it was in 1996 he made a coin that had the picture of Nebuchadnezzar on one side and his picture on the other side. In 1981, he named two of his nuclear fusions to Moose. He had two nuclear fusions, two nuclear uh, stations, and he named them Tammuz. In 1981, Israel, in the time of Reagan as president, Israel flies their bombers on ground, almost on the ground to avoid radar, and they fly into Iraq and they kill Tammuz. They bomb and totally annihilate the nuclear fusion that Saddam Hussein had put together. Now, it wasn't God's will for Babylon to be rebuilt at this time, but it will be rebuilt. According to the scriptures, it shall be rebuilt. It will be in the area of Shinar. And in that area of Shinar, when this city is going to be rebuilt, Babylon, the, the religious Babylon, and the the, they're going to build a name for themselves. They're going to build something that's incredible. Uh, Saddam Hussein tried to do that. But when he got into a conflict with, well, he tried to go into Kuwait and annex Kuwait, and some of you have been in that war because we didn't let that happen. Uh, we went in and took care of that mess and took Saddam's power, took him out, and the people of Iraq found Saddam Hussein guilty of his uh, war crimes and his violation to, to innocent people. And in 2006, he was hung by the rope until dead. I watched that hanging. I watched it on the internet. Because I was kind of taken away by a man trying to rebuild Babylon. He spent $500 million dollars to rebuild Babylon. He was taken out and hung. And when I watched him hang by the rope until dead, I thought of how pitiful for a man to end his life on the end of a rope who had so many evil, wicked dreams to perform Babylon, restore Babylon, and it was cut, cut asunder by a rope. It wasn't God's will at that time for Babylon to be rebuilt. One day it will be. And the Tower of Babel, they will reinstitute it. It'll be a lot more, a lot more modernized, computerized, um, a lot more uh, Androidized, a lot more uh, computer animated way, a lot more robots, a lot more. It, it'd be a lot more. And, and by the way, you said, well, I thought the Lord could come in a minute. He can't. We're not that far out. They're already doing this. I know you think I'm cuckoo, cuckoo. Don't, don't, you know, don't stop me. I'm enjoying myself. But Tammuz out of all that spun the false gods. Now, you remember, God took the children of Israel into Babylonian captivity, right? Assyria was conquered, the northern part of Israel, and then later uh, Babylon took over um, uh, 
the Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Judah. And we know that Babylon's territory reached from Egypt all the way past the great, great Euphrates, even into the Mediterranean Sea. Babylon was a huge province. And so among that Babylonian province was Shinar, the place Shinar. Now, let me give you a name. I wrote it down here so I could, so I could pronounce it right, and I'm sure I won't anyway because I can't pronounce my writing right. There's a city called Neom. Neom. It's a Saudi Arabia city. It's a new city. It's a high-technology city. They expect 9 to 10 million people to live in this city. It reminds me of the tower. I looked at it. It's spelled N-E-O-M, pronounced Neom. And it is in the Babylonian province. It is a city, the name Neom means future. And every Green New Deal dreams of that city. It is a city that very well could be, maybe not, but very well could be erected as the Tower of Babel or Babylon, the religious Babylon. I don't know that. I'm just saying. The one thing I do know, according to God's word, the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babylon or the city of Babylon will be rebuilt. It will come back because God said it would come back. Hello? Now, I'm going somewhere with this, and I want you to listen very carefully. How many remember me preaching to the, in the book of Zechariah? Remember that? Go to Zechariah chapter 5. Verse 5, Zechariah chapter 5, verse 5. We're going to read down to verse 11. I realize we're moving pretty quick, but let's see what Zechariah said. Zechariah is given a vision. And in verse 5, it says, Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, this is the, an ephah, which is actually a container, a, a bucket or a basket that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their re resemblance to all the earth. Notice this is all, to all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent, which is a hundred pounds of lead. And this is a woman, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And she is wickedness. Verse 8 says, and he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight on the lid upon the mouth thereof, and then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings like angels, for they had wings like wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah, and between, they lifted up the ephah between earth and heaven, then said I unto the angel that talked with me, Where, whither do these bear the ephah? Where are they going with the ephah? Where are they going with this wicked woman? Verse 11. And he said unto me to build it a house in the land of where? Shinar. And it shall be established and set there upon her base. That is the Revelation chapter 17, it's not built yet, but it will be this woman of wickedness, which is the queen of heaven, the false doctrines, the wickedness. And notice in verse 1, it says, she's a great whore, a great harlot, sits on many waters. Let me quickly say, uh, right now, I'm not going to get done with chapter 17 today, but obviously, uh, that's obvious, amen, and, and some of you are sitting out saying, boy, I hope you don't get done with today, it will be here forever, but, but understand that there's false religions all over the world, they're everywhere, they're now, they're upon many waters everywhere, that's why it's so important to have good missionaries, that's why it's important to have good evangelists. 
That's why it's important to get the gospel out because we got to get everybody we can in before the church is taken. And then after that, everybody's going to know the truth because they're going to be flooded with a deception to believe a lie. Now, what happens in this chapter 17 is that all of the false gods and the false religions are gathered together into one place. It's called the One World Order Church. It's called the One Church. It's called, as you see on bumper stickers, uh, pro-exist or coexist. They have bumper stickers that says coexist. How many have ever seen them bumper stickers coexist? Well, I don't mind them existing with me, but they don't, they, they discover real quick they can't coexist with me because I don't believe what they believe. But the thing is, in the end, the Antichrist, false prophet, will work hard to bring together all religions as one religion. All the false doctrines, all the cults have one thing in common. They do not believe Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. And so all these false religions are going to be gathered together into one place, and they're going to ride upon a beast, which is the revived Roman Empire. So there it is. There it is, preacher. You're getting after the Catholicism. No, I'm not. Listen to me. Catholicism is not the biggest religion in the world. Did you know Islam... Muslim, there's more Muslim than there is Catholics in the world. Did you know that? Did you know the second largest religion in the world is Islam? Christianity being the first. So I don't think we're talking about any one religion here. I think we're talking about all religions are going to be gathered together, be sucked together in a time of deception because there's going to be a, a dark revival. There's going to be a time of revival where people are going to get sucked into this. We're going to be gone as a church, but those that are still around, they're troublemakers and they'll be beheaded or killed because, you know, they don't believe the way they believe. How many know religious people can get really nasty, dirty, and ugly if you don't agree with them? Amen? Hello? Did anybody learn anything today? I hope you are. So it's on many waters, the Antichrist, the false prophet will bring these people together and it will become out of it, verse 5, the mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. In other words, these religious false doctrines and false cults and occults are all, all over the world. And the one thing they're going to do when we're gone is they're going to come together. They're, they've got to come together. They're going to come together because they all have one thing in common. God has rejected us. So we're going to build our own kingdom. We're going to do our own thing. And the false prophet will be very good at it. Pulling them together. The Antichrist will be very good at it. And this mother of harlots actually will be during the first part of the Great Tribulation. Because chapter 17 18 is parenthetical. The next one will be chapter 19. Jesus comes and, you know. He just really peels heads. He returns in power. But you have the false teaching, the false gods, the false... And it all began at the Tower of Babel. And one day it will be rebuilt just like God said in Zechariah 5 that they'll build a vase. It's coming back. The plain of Shinar, it's going to come back. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, it's all coming back, all going to be pulled together. One world church, one uh, ruler, one world order, and everybody's going to be pulled together, and they're going to have one thing in common, and that is we believe what we believe. As long as you believe what you believe and you're sincere, you're, you're okay. Hello. But this group of people will actually kill Christians. Now, before you get angry and say, well, Catholicism back in the dark times killed a lot of Christians. Well, we need to understand, too, that Protestants also kill people. Religion is ugly, nasty, and bloody. One thing you'll never discover is Christians don't go out and make war. Christians don't go out and kill. If you're a Christian, you go out and kill. You're not a very good one, if one at all. 
Christians are peaceful. They love. They care. And they don't persecute their enemy. They pray for them. But there's even a group called Christian in the world that they're pagan. They're not, they're not Christian. They just call themselves Christian. It's all over the world. Churches are everywhere inundated with false doctrine, false beliefs. Amen? How many, how many understand what I'm saying? It's on many waters, false doctrines everywhere. And when we get caught up to meet Jesus in the air, there's going to be a massive dark side of revival. There's going to be, yeah, there'll be people saved. There'll be people come to Jesus Christ. There'll be people born by the Spirit of God and, and rescued. But there'll be masses of people that want to eliminate Jesus Christ, eliminate the true God, and they are, they are drunk with the cup of the intoxicating wine and the mind-blowing, mind-changing drug that's in the cup of the harlot, and they will go led astray as a religious group of people, occults and all the religious group together. You said, that don't sound possible. It does when you look at the Tower of Babel. It sounds very possible. That was the one thing that God really despised, and it's always been a problem in the Old Testament, false gods, and, you know. Did you know that when those two angels, probably I'm going to say angels, when those two women carried that, wick, that woman of this is wickedness in that ephod, that basket with a, with a heavy lead lid on top of it, 100 pounds, and took it out to Babylon, the land of Shinar, and set it on a base... I want you to know that woman symbolically and spiritually is still under that lead weight, still in that box. But the results of what she did is covered the planet. False doctrine has covered the planet upon many waters. Hello? You say, well, where was that basket being taken from? Jerusalem. That basket was being taken up out of Jerusalem into the land of Shinar because God's purging Israel. You know, as, Israel's not perfect. Israel's very commercial. Israel doesn't really know God. Israel's got their religion, you know, their Jewish religion and so forth. Israel's not perfect. And there's a lot of great born-again uh, Jewish people uh, in Israel today. But, you know, for the most part, Israel as a country, it's not a perfect country, beautiful country, but it's, it's just kind of into the commercialism, into the stuff, you know. And, and so, but one thing Israel does not do that she did for centuries is bow before false gods and idols. Because when God took the ephah with the woman that is wickedness out of Egypt, or out, not out of, out of Israel, when he took that out of Israel, Israel has never returned to false gods. What about pagan idols? Never returned to them. One day, and the Antichrist will try to do it in the temple, and that's when Israel will say, that's enough. No, we're not going to get into that today, but you need to understand that God is really serious about these false gods and these false religions. Now, let me read a little bit because i got a few minutes left, and maybe I can help you a little bit so we can wrap this up next Sunday morning. But let's, let me read a few things real quickly. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. That word admiration doesn't mean admi admiration like we think of admiration. It means he was astonished, absolutely astonished. Did you know that this woman had golden cups? She was arrayed in purple. Religion can get pretty rich. Religion's richy. Christianity's not richy. Religion's richy. Christianity can, and by the way, if, you, if you're into Christianity and you're pushing richy, richy, rich, you're probably not preaching the gospel. Christianity is not richy, 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 although God blesses us. But religion is richy, richy, richy. Are you listening? And so she's a very wealthy false religion. And the angel said unto me, where didst thou marvel? The angel said, why do you marvel? And I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. Um, the beast that thou sawest was uh, 
was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life and the found, uh, from the foundation of the world and they, and they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Someone says, what are you talking about? But the Bible says she, she came off this woman comes upon seven hills. It refers to seven hills in this chapter. And everybody knows that the seven hills, though Washington, D.C. has seven hills. Uh, Seattle, Washington has seven hills. Moscow has seven hills. But in John's day, everybody knows seven hills meant Rome. It meant Rome. In John's day, seven hills meant Rome. Or uh, it was a city on seven hills. I mean, that in John's day, that's what it meant. So the seven hills is Rome. But notice the angel said unto me, Where didst thou marvel? I will tell thee, verse 7, the mystery of the woman and the beast that carried her hath the seven heads and the ten horns. You say, what in the world the seven heads and the ten horns? And then it confuses us even more in verse 8, the beast that thou sawest and is not shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into the perdition that they dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world and they behold the beast that was. Now, the seven hills here is in verse 9. And, the, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. This is empires. Mountains are empires. And so when you look at the five heads, let me, let me explain this to you so you understand. It says, and the angel, verse 7, I marveled because the beast that carried him had seven heads and ten horns. And then he says, the seven heads, he talks about was and is and is to come. I think it'll help you better if you look at verse 10. Verse 10, and there were seven kings. There would be heads, seven kings. Uh, in John's day, it was Domitian. That was the Caesar in Rome, Domitian, during that day. Before Domitian was Nero. Nero killed Peter and Paul. But it says, there are seven kings. Five are fallen. So what would these kings be? Will we call them Roman kings? Or are we going to call them... Are we going to call them Rome kings? The only problem with that interpretation is this. In John's day, Rome didn't have just seven or five kings during that time. During that reign of Rome, Rome had had more like 12 or 13 emperors. So it's hard to say, well, you're going to just pick which ones you like the best out of 12 or 13 emperors. So we got to go back and we got to look at Daniel. Oh, Daniel, what an awesome Daniel. And Daniel talks about it in chapter 3, and he talks about it in chapter uh, 7 and 9 and 13. Um, notice it says, and there were seven kings, five are fallen. What five would be fallen? Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Rome. They'd fallen. Well, no, it wasn't Rome. I missed one. Which one did I miss? Egypt, Assyria, uh, Egypt, Assyria, um, Medes and Persia. And then uh, you had the Grecian and then the Rome. And it talks about there's five that have fallen, and they have fallen, and one is, which was Rome at that time. You had five, five kingdoms. And I still ain't got that right, but we'll get it right. Let me go again. There's Egypt. There's Assyria. There's Babylon. There's Medes and the Persian. The Grecian. Wow, give me five. Woo, there's five that was that's fallen. One is, which is Rome. And one to come is the revived Roman Empire. The one that's coming is that new one world order, the reviving of the European Union and the Roman Empire. And then it says there's another one that's eight. He was, then he wasn't, now he's eight. Well, the only thing I can figure out is number seven fell out of power, the leader, 
fell out of power. Maybe he was assassinated and came back alive, so he comes back in a different, he's an eight because he's out of the seven. So if he was assassinated, came back alive, which the scripture teaches that in the 13th chapter of Revelation, then he's seven, was of the seven, now he's the eight. Or he fell out of power and came back and now he's the eight. Daniel called him the little horn that came out of the 10 horns. The little horn that came out of the 10 horns. I was gonna give you the scripture for that. Let me find it here. Oh, chapter 7, verse 8, the little horn. Daniel 7, verse 8, the little horn. Comes up out of the ten. Now the ten kingdoms decide they're going to give their power to the beast, the Antichrist. And when they give their power to the beast, verse 14 is a parenthetical insert verse. It's just an all-conclusive statement. We win. Jesus wins. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus returns. Then verse 6, I am going to get done with this. Verse 16 and 17 and 18. This is the politicians that will abandon the religion of the one world church. And the ten horns, that's the, uh, the uh, allegiance of nations, ten nations together. Someone says, well, that's going to be the European uh, Union or be the um, NATO and so forth. The only problem with that is that there's more than ten in it. But I still believe there'll be ten, the, the, the world will be divided up in ten um, province. And there'll be ten kings. They really won't get to rule because... They'll give their power to the one. And so it says in verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore or the harlot, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Meaning, politicians will throw you to the wolves. Meaning, these politicians will abandon even false religion. And so they abandoned false religion. Why? Because the Antichrist hates religion. He's just using it for his own gain. He's just getting his purpose, you know, get, getting something done for his purpose. But then when he's done using her, he'll destroy her. Verse 17, and God had put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give the kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is the that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. This is the religious Babylon, great city. Now, if I can just explain this to you before we give an invitation, and who wants to come to an altar after this sermon? But anyway, <laughs> but anyway you need to understand something that's very important. When the, when the union arrives, the world is going to be so plunged into confusion and, and convulsions, that the world's going to need religion just to pull things together. And the, uh, beast, the beast and the false prophet will use religion to pull things together, and religion will say, yeah, I'll ride on the beast. And she'll take advantage of the riches, the false gods, the false religion, and she'll ride on the beast. And the, the beast, the, the revived Roman Empire or the man of sin, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they'll take advantage of this. But then the other nations will think, you know, this religion stuff's just bad stuff. We're going to build us a kingdom. And we don't need this. Because the false prophet's declaring the Antichrist to be the one. And because they're convinced that the Antichrist is the one, and the false prophet has convinced it and raised the Antichrist probably from the dead who was assassinated, the ten kingdoms or provinces will say, we'll give you the power. And we don't care about the religion. Just kill them all. And that's what takes place toward the end of the Great Tribulation. It won't be just persecution against truly saved Christians. It'll also be persecution against anybody that claims religion at all. Now, don't misunderstand me. Most, for most part, 
the saints of God will be persecuted the most, and Israel will be persecuted the most. But don't misunderstand me. This man of sin, this Antichrist, this false prophet, they ain't got any use for religion. They, well, the Antichrist has decided he is God. He is God. And I don't need any more gods. I'm God, he thinks. And that's what this religious Babylon's about. Your grandchildren, if they don't get right with God, they may see this. Your loved ones, if they don't get right with God, they may see this. Because we could be taken to be with the Lord at any moment. And that's why it's so important that we lead people to Christ. We tell people about Jesus because on many waters is so much false doctrine, so misunderstanding. That's why we need to present the truth. And that's why when we get to church, we don't get to church and pass out Kool-Aid, cotton candy, and a wonderful little whoo, celebration of how wonderful we are. We take the Word of God. We preach it verse by verse. We share what the Word of God says. We don't get together to party. We have a good time. We enjoy the blessings of the Lord. We shout. We dance. We praise God. But we know what we're shouting, dancing, and praising God about. We're not just dancing to the beat of the music. We're dancing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. We don't dance to the beat of the drum or the music. We dance to the word of God and the harmony of the truth, the life, and the way, Jesus Christ. The churches are full. Churches are full of people that are deceived into thinking they're saved because they feel good when they go to church. Well, I, let me tell you something. I was at Brahms the other night, and I felt extremely good. Let me, let me rephrase that. I ate at Brahms the other night, banana split, and it was extremely good. And I felt, whoo, I feel good. But that banana split didn't save me. Only Jesus Christ saves. Amen. Only Jesus Christ saves. And that's why I want to be a church that stands for truth. Because there's so much stuff coming down the pipe. There's so much false doctrine coming down the pipe. There's deception, not just in America, around the world. I, there's probably deception. I know there's deception in the Philippines. That's why God's got Alice and Lynn over there shucking that corn, telling people the truth. Because everywhere you turn, there's Muslims which don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Islam, which are very radical and don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's other religions, and I'll not go into them names because it's just clear in the scripture that upon this beast was the many names of blasphemy. And that's all religion is. It's in the face of God blaspheming Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't the way, the truth, and the life in your religion, you're sitting in the wrong building. It's blasphemy to teach anything but the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're headed that way. I want to go that way first. But the truth is, the world is, is so inundated. You know why you get, you know why people can go to public school or go in public and, and pray to some other God and not get in trouble? Not get in trouble. But if you go in there and say, whoo, I love Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. Somebody's going to meet you and say, you can't do that in here. Amen? So you have your priorities. I remember I was passing out tracts from door to door. The landlord came out and said, you can't do that here. I said, Really? He said, no, 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 it's against, the, it's against our ordinance here, against our rules. You can't put things on the doorknob. I said, I want to ask you a question, sir. He said, I'll answer it if, if, if you're kind. And I said, I'm kind. I said, what are all them Pizza Hut flyers on them doors for? Amen. The Pizza Hut flyers didn't seem to bother you, but Jesus does. He said, well, there's nothing wrong with a good pizza. 
And I said, well, you like pizza, but you don't like Jesus Christ. Amen? I like both. I mean, like both. Amen. Stanway, we're going to give an invitation. I hope you enjoyed today. Hope you learned. Amen. I'm glad I got that five straightened out. We'll be in chapter 18 next Sunday morning. Looking at the commercial Babylon. And it is very amazing. Let me encourage you. Go to your, if you're on computer, your cell phone, just, just Google in N-E-O-M. Neem or Nom. Neom or something like that. I don't know how you put it. But that city is absolutely breathtaking. And it's right there in the province of Babylon, Saudi Arabia. It's just outside of the Red Sea in Egypt, close to the place where God gave the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know if that's the city, but I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you there will be Babylon rebuilt. It will come. And there will be a, because the Bible says so. Amen? I'm glad you came. How many glad you came? Amen. Are you glad you came? Did you learn anything? Did you grow? I hope you learned something. I worked hard to learn, learn it myself. Amen. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace. I'm glad I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Hello. I'm glad I'm looking for a hole in the sky, not a hole in the ground. I'm glad I'm looking to go to be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But where religion, false doctrine, false gods begin, Babel, Babylon, where it was born is where it will die. Because God will bring it down. And God will bring his judgment. Amen. To those of you that fought over there in Saudi Arabia, over in the area of Iraq, or wherever you fought, whether it be Vietnam or Korea, some of you look old enough, maybe World War II, not one. But wherever you served, God bless you and thank you. That land over there, that land over there, Kuwait, Iraq, Iran, all through it, that land over there is filled with false doctrine and cultism. But it is such a precious land because God is going to rise up and redeem it all. That land is so precious. Israel's so precious. Iraq, the Garden of Eden area. Babylon, Euphrates. What a beautiful place. It just needs the false God driven away and the true God sitting on his throne. That's, that's what's going to happen. That's what's coming. Amen? You say, will God destroy America? He don't have to. He has politicians to do that. What happens to America? Well, just kind of take a look at who's running things. And I'm talking about through the centuries. I, we ain't really had good leadership ever, except maybe the one that crossed the D Delaware River. <laughs> Amen. What a great God. What a wonderful Savior we have, Jesus. We invite you to come to an altar. Altar's open. I know this is a bad time for an altar call, but you can, if nothing else, you can come to the altar and say, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be one of those to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Would you do that right now? Would you do that right now? Come down. Say, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Josh, go ahead. <laughs>